Welcome to the Top Flight Podcast. Match day or match week, whatever you prefer. The first weekend of the Premier League season is in the books. Ori Benatar here with Esteban Bailey. And for the first time on this podcast, we are officially going into regular episodes during a season. We had done a World Cup miniseries, Road to Moscow. We did previews for all the teams. And now we're finally into the season. Ten months of podcasts just going and talking about the games happening in the world of football, specifically in the English Premier League. Esteban, what were your overall impressions of the first week? I thought it was pretty entertaining. You know, it was really nice to get back to some top-flight football. So we had some interesting performances all across the board. I think a few surprises here and there, but uh, I think it was an overall success. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree. I think there were a lot of good goals. There was a lot of interesting matches, a couple of snores here and there, but that's what you expect from the Premier League. And also some starts that were somewhat expect that we're used to seeing, but we thought we're going to change a little bit. Personally, I'm looking at West Ham and Arsenal, the games that just happened today as we're recording this. Uh, Liverpool beating West Ham 4-0 at Anfield to start the season. They are top of the table on goal difference. They were the only team to score four goals in the opening um, week. Uh, Sadio Mane getting two, Sturridge adding one late, and Mo Salah right back where he left off, scoring just 19 minutes into the game. West Ham, we all thought, were going to be this you know, return team. They still could be, but this is the second consecutive season that they're starting it with a 4 nothing loss. And then, of course, Arsenal under Unai Emery, their first game without Arsene Wenger, but it's a very Wenger-like result, losing 2-0 to Manchester City, Raheem Sterling and Bernardo Silva scoring as the champs get off to a good start. So between Liverpool and City, who many feel are the two title favorites, which team do you think played the best? I think that's it's certainly Liverpool. I think Liverpool was unbelievable uh, today. I mean, they were just ripping West Ham apart. It seemed like West Ham didn't even have a midfield out there for how much uh, Liverpool was just dominating them. Naby Keita was especially pretty, ex- like extremely impressive. Uh, I loved his directness. I loved his passing. He also was not afraid to put in a tackle here and there. And you know, it, he just seems like he's going to be a perfect fit for this Liverpool system. And it's just it's it's interesting because like this team. They were so good last season, but it's it's so clear that with these new signings, with the depth on their bench, and just how familiar everybody is in the Klopp system, this team is much improved from last season. And I honestly, just from the result today, I think they're going to be able to put up a pretty good title, you know, uh, def- like a attack. Like I, you know, I was pretty high on them in our preview pod where I said that I think Liverpool actually has a real chance of, you know, competing for the Premier League title. And I think today just at least strengthened my my case. I, Man City was very good today. It's not to say anything against them. They weren't even playing with a full strength squad, and they basically dominated Arsenal as was expected. Um, but I, I still think that Liverpool had the most impressive performance of the entire weekend. I would agree with that too, though I do think the way that West Ham played, it certainly uh, it, it made Liverpool maybe look better than what we're thinking of. And I think this Liverpool team will be as good as the way they played, but who knows? Their performance might have been overinflated with how bad West Ham played because West Ham were just horrible. I mean, I same thing happened last season. West Ham made these signings. They got Arnautovic in. They got a couple of other people in. We all thought this is the year West Ham finally changes and they're finally going to compete for top 10. 
and they came out and lost 4-0 to Manchester United, and they turned out to have a pretty bad season. Is this going to be the same thing again with West Ham? Who knows? They they got a tough match next weekend. They're going to be hosting Bournemouth at the London Stadium to kick off their home schedule. But I, I thought Arsenal's defense looked a little bit better than usual, but still there's just a lack of, you know, the midfield is not there. Lucas Torreira, uh, I felt probably should have started the game. He came on as a sub. Uh, Jaka wasn't very good today. And Manchester City, without a full team, even getting a 2-0 win, on the road at the Emirates. Very impressive from the defending champions. While most of the other big sides, besides Arsenal, all the other big six getting three points on the weekend. Spurs 2-1 win at Newcastle. Deli Ali with the winning header in the 18th minute. But Jan Vertonghen's ninth minute goal, probably the closest goal I've ever seen for goal in technology, Esteban. Nine millimeters. That was nuts. I couldn't believe it. I, I mean, like we, but we, you, myself, uh, Ashley, all thought that Newcastle was going to pull off the upset. And the fact that it took this nine centimeter goal to just give new, uh, Tottenham that lead, I thought it was ridiculous, but also just insane. I, and that's what I love about the Premier League. You're always going to get these wild kind of goals and wild kind of situations. But I actually thought that was one of the better games of the weekend. I think Newcastle, even though they lost 2-1, I thought for long stretches of the game, they were much better than Tottenham, which is almost, I mean, that's kind of what we were expecting because Tottenham had so many players that were in the World Cup. I think they had the most of any team in the Premier League. Uh, Deli Alley, of course, made it to the semifinal. Finals. Hugo Reese was a World Cup champion, Harry Kane, etc. Um, it's just it's interesting that Tottenham uh, they just weathered the storm and they had a very professional like victory. I mean, they did give up a few chances, and Solomon Rondon, the new signing from Newcastle, should have probably t- equalized in the 87th minute or 86th minute when he had that one-on-one opportunity with Lloris. But I still think I still feel pretty good about uh, Newcastle, and I, I actually I think. But you know what's funny? It's, it's, it's that rare kind of game where you feel good about both sides because I think Tottenham really showed a lot of resolve and grit that they're going to need if they're going to do anything this season. And I think Newcastle showed that, you know, when, they get the, when they're not as rusty and they're able to get, uh, you know, back on track and just get a little more game time, I think they're going to be a real danger to the most teams. What did you think about that game beside the Jan Vertonghen goal? I thought Newcastle played really well. I felt that that game could have ended in a draw or a Newcastle win. Remember, they hit the woodwork twice in the second half. Diame had an early chance at an angle, hit the post. Lloris made a couple saves, and then Rondon basically should have scored off of deflection. It hit off the bar, just unlucky to get a debut goal as he came off the bench. So I felt that among all the uh, sides that played against all the big six that played against non-big six Newcastle definitely played the best against a big six side they were the closest to probably getting a victory or getting a point at least and I think Newcastle is going to be pretty good this season uh, just Lou getting the goal immediately after the Vertonghen header but you know the margins between points nine millimeter header from Vertonghen some some woodworks but I like the way Newcastle was the the hot topic though from that game was Spurs third kits with the the aqua and the London map people are saying they're really ugly I don't mind them i think the map looks weird but i like the color no i think it's look i think it looks terrible it was weird because it looked really like, you, yeah I, you, think, you, I think it was awful just it, to me it looked like the kits were reversed like i thought tottenham was wearing the newcastle kit but like an ugly version of the newcastle kit because newcastle has nice uniforms um no I, I i'm not a fan i well you know what you can you could say that's just a bias because i hate tottenham but i i, I just think my God, they have the stadium that looks like a toilet and then they have jerseys that look like the toilet bowl cleaner. It's just it's not exactly the nicest looking thing in the world aesthetically. True. I, I didn't mind it. I think Jason Momoa could pull it off with the aqua. I think that would I think he would look really good in it. I think uh, but some of the other big anything. teams, Jason Momoa can pull anything off. 
We'll have to ask the fanside entertainment people if, if they agree with us on this. Get a Photoshop of Jason Momoa in a Tottenham third kit and see what it looks like. <laughs> but let's uh, move on to some of the other big teams that played. Uh, Chelsea getting a 3 nothing win at Huddersfield. I don't think anyone was surprised at this. Maurizio Sarri getting a debut win. Goals for Conte. Jorginho on a penalty. I did not know he had a run-up like that. That was the weirdest run-up I've ever seen. And then Pedro adding one late with an assist from Hazard. Hazard did not start in the game. And reports are coming in that Madrid are preparing a 200 million pound bid for him in a last attempt to buy him before the Spanish uh, transfer deadline closes. But I thought Chelsea looked pretty convincing, but... Amongst the big six sides, I think Chelsea played the worst opposition yeah, easily. That's Huddersfield for sure. were terrible. Yeah, I think it's I think it's just that Chelsea was playing Huddersfield. Huddersfield is gonna get relegated this year. We were we were worried about them before the season, but it's clear that they just don't have the quality. Last season they were able to compete against teams like Chelsea. They they were tactically astute enough and they had enough, you know, just wherewithal to really fight against these bigger teams, but today they were just or that day they were really just outplayed by a Chelsea team that I just feel even though they got the victory and they had some nice moments I just I'm not like 100% convinced by them I wouldn't say they're the worst of the performing of the top six even like I I, like I'm not the like that's clearly Arsenal but Chelsea it was weird because Conte playing in such an advanced position I feel is a little strange uh he, he obviously got the goal it wasn't the prettiest goal in the world but he still got the goal it just seems like if you have the best defensive midfielder in the world, you know, maybe he should be playing in the defensive midfield role. It worked. Maybe it'll continue working throughout the season. We'll have to keep watching. But, I, you know, I think it's going to take time before the Sari system really gets into place. I think they really need to figure out their transfer situation with a hazard. I, I, I know there's reports that he's going to go to Madrid. Unless Madrid starts the season off really poorly in the, you know, the, the UEFA Super Cup and in the La Liga season, I don't really see Madrid making that purchase this year. They might do it next year or maybe even in January, but I just, I don't see it happening anytime soon. And I think I have to temper what I'm thinking with Chelsea until I get to see Eden Hazard playing in this system where maybe it can really cause him to just have another breakout, or not another breakout season, but a season where he just tops all his previous records, which is possible. It's just when you're playing Pedro instead of Hazard in that position, I mean, it seems like there's room for improvement. Wouldn't you say? I think there's room for improvement for Chelsea. For me, the biggest room of improvement is they're going to have to figure out how to get consistent goals for their strikers. I don't expect N'Golo Conte and Jorginho to get a lot of goals this season. I mean, Conte is playing a little bit more of an advanced role in this 4-3-3 setup. Previously, Conte basically played three at the back with wingbacks Victor Moses and Cesar Azpilicueta playing those wingback positions. But I think you got to get Morata and Giroud to be the talisman that you signed them up to be, and they're your top goal scorers no matter what. You do have to prepare possibly for selling Hazard. I think that's important in these first couple of games. But if you have Hazard, use him, start him. Do you know He'll do what he does every season for Chelsea. Um, I thought Kepa looked fine. He didn't really have many challenges in the game. We'll see what happens when he plays a better team. They are playing Arsenal next weekend. Um, but Chelsea overall had the easiest opponent, so... A long time to see until we see the real Chelsea. But I think we saw the real Manchester United in the opening game on Friday. They got the 2-1 win against Leicester, an early penalty for Paul Pogba. Luke Shaw, of all people, getting the second goal, his first ever goal at the senior level. Jamie Vardy adding one late in stoppage time off of a weird header off of a post. Should have been a clean sheet for De Gea. But United still lacked that creativity in the midfield. I thought Fred was a little bit shaky in his debut. Marcus Rashford was making good runs, but he was not getting the delivery. Alexis Sanchez disappointed again. Lukaku didn't start. I thought Pogba played pretty well, but it seems as though 
that role for Pogba might not be what he plays all season. Yeah, I, I just I think Mourinho, I think he's lost his fastball honestly because like he, whenever he was at Chelsea, even when he would play in a functional style with Fabregas and with Branislav Ivanovic and Matic, all these players that were defensively minded, or you know with one creative player and defensively minded players behind him, they were still playing entertaining football at least in the first half of the season. Now this Manchester United team doesn't want to attack and they get the goal and they just want to give the ball up to Leicester City. We've seen this all of last season, but it's just, it's much worse now. I mean, Manchester United, they get the goal, they get Pogba's really funny penalty like he always does, his really long run up. But then they don't push the issue. They don't attack. They don't try to press. They don't try to squeeze the game out. They don't try to just break Leicester City in the first half. And they gave Leicester City a lot of chances, and they gave up a lot of shots. And David De Gea had to save them on a, several occasions. And, I mean, the 2-1 scoreline, I think it's fair because United probably did play better. But Leicester City was Leicester City is not the most dangerous team in the country, and yet... They looked like a very dangerous team when they were playing against Manchester United. I'm not sure what this United team is going to do for the entire season because they're going to make easier games that they need to win to win the Premier League title. They're going to make them much harder than they need to be. It's it's fine having a defensive system against Man City or Liverpool or Tottenham. You know, if you're going against the top country top teams in the country, but if you're playing Leicester City, you have you're Manchester United. You have to push the issue. You have to attack. You must be entertaining. And that's the thing about Mourinho. I don't know how much longer he's going to last if he has to keep having these weird defensive performances against lesser clubs. I don't know either. I, I just don't get it. I still remember at the beginning of last season when Man U scored eight goals in the first two games against West Ham and Swansea, the way they played was so beautiful with Pogba and Lukaku and Martial and Rashford. They just looked like they could be unstoppable. And after those two games, I was convinced that United were going to win the title. But then Mourinho went back into his old stubborn ways of tactics. I hate watching it. It's so unfortunate to see such talented players have to play this kind of style. I hope Mourinho adapts because United has the potential to be a title contender if they let their players play the way that they play, if Mourinho allows that. And I hope he does. But for Leicester, the fact that Jamie Vardy didn't start and they were putting up a fight pushing for that equalizer throughout the first and second half. It's, it's impressive from Leicester. You know, kudos to them. And I thought this weekend there were a lot of great midfield debuts. Nabi Keita for Liverpool. James Madison played really well for Leicester. But we got to talk about, for me, the game of the weekend. Wolves and Everton at the Molyneux. A 2-2 draw. An incredible, very exciting game. Richarlison gets a brace on his Everton debut. Maybe worth the money. And Ruben Neves super playing superstar level for Wolves. That free kick after the Jagielka red and then gives the cross to Jimenez to get the equalizer. That, for me, was the best game. But which debut was more impressive, Esteban Richarlison or Ruben Neves? Honestly, I would I would have to pick Richarlison because while Ruben Neves was, was spectacular and he had these great you know uh, moments, I think Richarlison's influence throughout the whole game was really like just really high. I mean, he was always a dangerous player on the left. He always seemed to be the the main creative outlet. He was getting those really good goals. He just seemed to be such a danger man that I haven't seen from an Everton team in so long. Um, you know, the one thing that I'm I'm putting against Ruben Neves and Wolverhampton as a whole is that while this was the best game. Of the, of the weekend without question. I was a little worried about how sloppy Wolverhampton was. They were doing these 
cross diagonal balls that were always hit too hard and going past their uh, intended targets. And it just seemed that it wasn't the same kind of free flowing team that I saw last season in the championship. And uh, I just, I'm a little worried about that. I wonder if it was, you know, first day jitters, or maybe it's just that they're trying to bring in a lot of new players that they haven't really meshed yet. Maybe it's the 3-4-3 three, three system that's not really helping. But I don't think that helped uh, Ruben Neves. I think he could have had a greater influence on this game if there was just a little better service from the back, if there was better service from the wings, if he was able to you know, be in a better position without having to worry about defensive work. I think maybe he would have had a better time, but Richarlison didn't have to worry about that. Richarlison was only about trying to create, trying to score, trying to do something that could really impact the game for Everton. And I thought he was spectacular. His second goal especially was just wonderful. And I think if he can continue that form throughout the entire season, I think Everton has a real opportunity to do something special. I think so too. I'm glad I got Richarlison in my fantasy team. That was. I'm glad I got that pick in. Dream team, two goals. Let's go. Uh, trying to win with uh, Hilliard, Hilliard FCSC. What's your team name, Esteban? Oh, I don't have a team name. I don't have fantasy. You don't do fantasy? Really? No, I've never done it before. I've never done it for football. Oh, you totally should. Do you do it for like the NFL though, right? Uh, I've only done it twice. I actually don't play fantasy that often. It's just like I never get the time to do it. It's really, it's, I guess I should. I don't know. Don't we have a league? Yeah, there's a free league. I think it's too late to join, though. Okay, well, uh, I'll just do it in spirit. I'll, I'll get myself a notes app and then just pick off some people from the waivers. But, so, uh, <laughs> so, in, so in spirit, you had Richarlison, you had Luke Shaw, you had Roberto Pereira, you had all the good players. So you I probably got, I got had like a 100 point I had Bernardo week. Silva, Raheem Sterling, Sadio Mane. It was great. <laughs> Great. All right. So Esteban had a 100-point week in his fake fantasy league. But yeah, Wolves-Everton, phenomenal game to start the season. The two-all draw. The only other draw of the weekend came at the St. Mary's today. Southampton and Burnley, the only scoreless draw of the day, both getting a point. Some of the other results, Watford 2-0 win at home against Brighton. Roberto Pereira getting the first brace of the season. Crystal Palace pick up the away 2-0 win against Fulham. Uh, goals from Jeffrey Schlupp and Wilfred Zaha. Some Unfortunate debuts for Fulham at Craven Cottage. Not the debut we were expecting from them. I had them winning 3-0 in my picks this weekend. And then the final result, Bournemouth a 2-0 win at home against Cardiff. Uh, Callum Wilson got a goal in stoppage time after missing a penalty. And then Ryan Frazier got the first goal in the 23rd minute. Neil Etheridge saving the penalty for Cardiff. Anyone who picked Neil Etheridge in fantasy, fair play. You got a penalty save from him. But out of those teams that won, Esteban Watford, Palace, Bournemouth... Who do you expect to keep the winning streak going the longest? Oh, you know the answer to this. It's Palace. I was high on Palace before the season started. I thought they were going to win this game against Fulham. And I, you know what? They had a really impressive performance. They were one of my most impressive teams this, this uh, match weekend. And also Fulham was one of my more disappointing performances. It's just, I think Fulham needs a little bit of time to be more cohesive. But I think this, this Crystal Palace team, it's professional. They've got creativity. They've got defensive news. They have a very good goalkeeper. And they're just, they're really they're really well coached. I mean, Roy Hodgson, I know he's he's got bad rep. I know you don't like him, but he's a he's a decent coach and he's actually been able to really make a very functional but a very entertaining side in this Palace team. And I think Rolfit Saha is going to have another great season. I think Benteke is going to have a very good season. He's going to be a, an Olivier Giroud type. It's not about him scoring goals, it's about him linking up the play so that he can get his creative players into the game more. I thought Andrews Townsend had a great game. I thought uh, I thought Crystal Palace was great, and I think they're going to continue playing very well for the rest of the season. I just I I've been I was high on them in the summer. I thought they made great transfers. 
they didn't even play Max Meyer, and they only played Kiyate for a few minutes. So I think there's even more room for improvement for this Palace squad. So I, I, I think Palace is going to continue to play well. We'll have to see how they play uh, next uh, Monday, a week from tomorrow against Liverpool in the uh, final game of Match Day 2. We'll go through the full Match Day 2 schedule, but of course, this podcast is going to continue. We're going to be doing two episodes a week around the uh, Monday, Tuesday, depending on the schedule. We're basically just going to do a recap of the match days, any matches, and uh, Thursday, Friday around the time, also depending on European football. We'll do preview for the weekend of the Premier League and also discussing any international matches that happened, if there's an international break, um, Champions League, Europa League, all that good stuff. We got a lot of fun stuff planned uh, for the Top Flight podcast going forward. But let's go to our best of segment where we pick the best of the weekend. We're in agreement of the best game, Wolves and Everton. Who was your best player this weekend? Ooh, that's a tough one. If I had to pick my best player of the weekend, I would probably have to pick... uh, I'd probably have to pick Raheem Sterling. I thought he was really, really good today against Arsenal. I mean, I think... That's an interesting decision. Yeah, no, because I know Nabi Keita and Wilfred Zaha and a lot of these other goal scorers were very good. It's just like Raheem Sterling came back from the semifinals of the World Cup. He played ev- almost every single minute for England, and it seemed like he didn't even... He didn't lose a beat. He was... That goal for the in the first half was beautiful. It's it's an un-Sterling-like goal. He was terrorizing the fullbacks, Stefan Lechsteiner and uh, Hector Bellerin. I thought he was just a danger man. I know a lot of people have been pointing to Riyad Mahrez in that game, but I just thought that Raheem Sterling, it's just like when he plays for Pep Guardiola, he's one of the most dangerous players in the world, and it's it's really fascinating to see him do that. And I thought if I'm going to pick anyone... I could have picked Keita. I could have picked, you know, a lot of other players, but I'm, I'm gonna go. With, I'm gonna go with Sterling because he doesn't get enough uh, positive attention. So I'm going with Raheem Sterling. Yeah, a really good start for Sterling after what was a pretty disappointing World Cup for England, where he didn't score and didn't really uh, get the same productivity we saw in it after his best Premier League season ever, getting 17 goals last year. I'm gonna go with Ruben Neves for me because I felt that he was controlling the game for Wolves. He was the only one that was not trying to just lob it up forward. And obviously he got the goal and he got the assist, the reasons that Wolves were the only newly promoted team to pick up a point. Despite having a man advantage for the entire second half, they were on the back foot. Everton was attacking. They were getting a lot more chances. They took the lead. But Ruben Neves is the reason Wolves got that point at home to start the season. So, And that keeps Wolves you know, in the running. They're eighth in the title favorites. I don't think they're going to win the title, but... He played really well, and he also, for me, had the best goal of the weekend. I thought that free kick was fantastic. It might have been a little closer than where the actual foul happened, which, by the way, I don't think that was a red for Phil, Phil Jagielka. Definite yellow, but I don't think it was a red. They said it was a clear goal-scoring opportunity, and I don't think so. I thought the ref got it wrong, but my Ruben Neves' free kick for me was the goal of the weekend, just perfectly curled it in. Pickford got a hand on it. It would have just showed how great of a keeper Pickford was if he saved it, but that thing was going top ends. That was a phenomenal free kick and hyped the crowd up like crazy. That's also my best moment. That's my best goal and my best moment for the weekend. How about you, Esteban? Best goal, best moment? Best goal definitely was a Ruben Neves goal. Uh, I'll give a special shout-out to that uh, the first Mane goal uh, in the Liverpool game just because uh, I love the crossing. I love Milner's just ability to always get a good ball in the box no matter what. Uh, the West Ham defense was sleeping, and I thought Mane's finish was really, really clever. Uh, I just love the interplay in that uh, that game anyways and in that play. But yes, for sure, Ruben Neves' goal against Everton was just 
just pitch perfect. You just, I could, it's almost like everybody knew it was going to happen. And those are the best kind of goals when you know that's what's going to happen. On the Jackie Elka thing, uh, I agree with you. I don't think that should have been a red card. I think it changed the game. It could have been a more entertaining game if there wasn't a red card. Um, I thought Everton probably would have won if there wasn't a red card. But I do want to say, it reminds me of my one of my favorite Arsene Wenger quotes, where a player, a defender gets a red card that should not have been a red card. So he'll call it a dark yellow. It is a dark yellow for me, not a red card. So I think, I think you're right about that. <laughs> no, Jackie Elka should not have been sent off. Well, we know you're, you definitely have a second career as an Arsene Wenger impersonator. Thank you. Thank you. That's- it's not, it's not bad. Not bad, for sure. Um, we'll see if he... I wonder if he gets another job or if he just retires. I mean, if, you know, Wenger to the U.S., who knows? Oh, I hope. That would be the best. That would be the most... Bring the banter era to the United States. We're already in it, so just let's, let's add on to it. Would be pretty fun. Uh, just a reminder of what the table looks like now. Obviously, very early days, still 37 matches to go for each team, but Liverpool do sit at the top of the table thanks to their 4-0 win. Chelsea are... Clearly in second with their 3-0 win. Watford, Bournemouth, Palace, Man City getting the 2-0 wins. And then United and Tottenham, the other teams, on three points. And currently the last two teams on goal difference, Huddersfield and West Ham. West Ham in 20th after losing 4-0. To Liverpool, fast preview of what's coming up in the week in soccer. Wednesday, we've got the Super Cup, Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid, the Madrid Derby. We'll see if Real Madrid can win yet another trophy. Their first competitive game without Cristiano Ronaldo. Ronaldo did score in a friendly against the Juventus U23 side after eight minutes, so he's off to a good start. Serie A and the Bundesliga are starting next weekend. Cristiano Ronaldo will make his Juventus debut on Saturday against Kievo Verona to open the Serie A season. Bayern Munich plays on Friday against, I believe, Hoffenheim to open up the Bundesliga season. But here's the full Premier League match day two schedule. Of course, we'll go more in depth on this, do picks for our podcast later in the week but we'll just do a quick little look at what's coming up match day two starts off with cardiff against newcastle the first game in wales this season then the four 10 a.m eastern standard time games everton against southampton leicester against wolves at king power Wembley Stadium for Tottenham and Fulham in a London derby. This will be Tottenham's last game at Wembley. They will open up their new stadium later on in the season. And then also in London, West Ham will host Bournemouth. And then the last match day two game, probably the game of the week, Chelsea and Arsenal at Stamford Bridge. So a lot of action in London on Saturday. Then on Sunday, Burnley will take on Watford at Turf Moor. Man City plays their first home game against Huddersfield. That could be uh, a big result. And then Man U is at Brighton to end the day on Sunday. And then on Monday, Crystal Palace goes to Selhurst Park. Another game in London. They will take on first place Liverpool. Should be a good week. That Chelsea-Arsenal game, obviously the highlight. But I'm looking at City-Huddersfield, and I'm thinking that one could be 7-0. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be shocked. I, I think Huddersfield is going to get destroyed by uh, City. Maybe City is still not prop, you know, 100% after the World Cup. I wouldn't be shocked if maybe they go a little easier and just try to get two goals in the first 15 minutes and just kill the game off from there. But I, I'm very interested to see how the top six perform in their second week. Uh, I do want to give a shout out. Uh, we'll be give, like you mentioned, we'll be giving our picks and some of the games to watch for the rest of the, you know, rest of the on our Thursday podcast. But one game that I think everybody should be really like really in tune for is going to be that West Ham uh, Bournemouth game. It's the first game in the London Stadium, and as we saw last season, the London Stadium can be a pretty toxic place. West Ham has already lost 4-0, as we met, as we spoke earlier, to Liverpool. There was a lot of optimism heading into the season, but mm, we, it wouldn't be shocking to me if there's some maybe some rumblings in the stadium if Bournemouth, who you know is a good team, they could score against this West Ham defense uh, if something bad happens. What do you think? 
I think it's possible. I mean, Bournemouth has tend to play against West Ham pretty well. They've had some good uh, matches against them. And uh, I think it's very possible that we could be in a position by the end of match day two where, depending on how Palace plays against Liverpool, we might only have maybe three or four teams that finish match day two with all six points because Man U lost to Brighton last year. Who knows? Man U could lay a duck. Chelsea Arsenal could go either way. Um, Watford is playing Burnley. We'll have to see what happens with Burnley. They have a Europa League game on Thursday uh, at home, so they only get... Um, a few days rest, uh, the same amount of rest they got this week. As a matter of fact, it's the second straight week they're playing on Sunday. Um, and then Tottenham against Fulham. Fulham might come back, you know, with a fire after losing at home against Palace. So it's possible that Bournemouth might be, you know, still in that first place spot, depending on what West Ham we see. But I think West Ham can bounce back. But the way that they played was just really, really bad. But Chelsea Arsenal will be fun. But before we go, let's do Super Cup picks. Since our broadcast is going to be coming out uh, on Thursday for this week, let's do a pick for the Super Cup. Madrid Atletico. Who's winning? Uh, it's going to be Madrid. I think the Ronaldo departure, while it is big for the club, and obviously it's been a kind of an interesting transition period, I think Bale has had an incredible preseason. I think he's going to have a great season. He's going to take that talismanic role, and he's going to really do well with it. I think this club is going to survive Ronaldo's departure, and I think they're going to, they've had a very, very good preseason. While Atletico has had a mediocre preseason, to say the least, I think Madrid is more prepared. I think they're going to have a really interesting game plan against Simeone, uh, and I think, I think Madrid wins 2-0. Okay, I'm going with Atletico. I'll go the opposite. It's the Super Cup. You know, it's a one it's a one game show. We've had some incredible Super Cups in the past. Uh, one that I can think of was when Sevilla played Barcelona. Barcelona winning five four in extra time when they were up three one and or four one, and Sevilla came back to tie it four four to go to extra time. But I'll go with Atletico, and I'm expecting a performance from one of their new stars, Thomas Lamar. I think he has a good game for them. I'll say Atletico wins. Uh, 2-1 in extra time. I think it goes uh, to extra time. So uh, should be a fun Madrid derby on Wednesday. That's a nice way to watch some competitive football because, you know, you got Champions League and Europa League qualifying going on. But it's the early days. We're, we'll get to the later rounds soon. But the Premier League is back, Esteban, and it's just going to be such an exciting season. Sorry for your Arsenal and Liverpool getting the win, but uh, that's just <laughs> the way things go. Well, I'm glad that you are able to remind me. I'm so, I'm so appreciative. Well, that's what, the, in, in general, a podcast is just kind of a reminder of stuff. We nope. talk about things, no reminding people what's happening. Exactly. So to remind you, we will be continuing this podcast two episodes a week. We're just going to be talking about the Premier League mostly, but we'll include some other soccer in there too. Um, and make sure to join us this upcoming Thursday for our next episode as we preview uh, the second week of the season and a lot more in the world of soccer. For Esteban Bailey, I'm Ori Benatar. Thank you for listening to the Top Flight Podcast. See you later.